mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how the devil are you doing today? I'm all right. Uh, after last week's Colorado River embarrassment, I thought I'd uh, thought I'd do a little bit of Googling, and apparently uh, Colorado uh, obviously means coloured red in uh, Spanish, so obviously. they probably just took one look at it and went, oh, it's a red river, that. So let's bang it in there. It's, uh, that's why it's Colorado River. I didn't realize that Colorado mean red, mean colored red. So I've learned something. I hope you have. People who don't live in America, <laughs> I hope you have. <laughs> We're learning so much on the, a podcast about Japan. We're learning Spanish as well. We get it all here Correct. on the Abroad Japan podcast. That's why we've won all the awards. <laughs> that's why we, we win every podcast award. What, what awards yeah, how we do won? we win? A, how do we, well, have we, we don't really win? enter any. I don't think. I don't really, oh, really enter any. And, and to be honest, um, in my opinion, a lot of awards in the podcast space. Bit of a oh, money-making exercise. Yeah, it's bollocks, <laughs> isn't it? It's bollocks. Anyway, we're not here to uh, to discuss awards ceremonies. I'm here to promote no. my book that nearly none of my listeners or viewers can possibly <laughs> comprehend because it's in Japanese. Can you hear this? That ASMR book opening oh, experience. That. look at that shiny little book. I can imagine seeing Hitting that in that bookshop in... Nakano was called. <laughs> a big bookshop <laughs> yeah. you brought me to once. I did take you to a bookshop. And now if you were to come into the bookshop, you would see my book. Hopefully, I, from what I understand, it's being sold in bookshops. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> this is an advanced copy. But yeah, I've got a book. I, I did promote it over like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all sorts. So uh, if you want to see a photo of what it looks like, guys, you can see it there. It is, unfortunately, mm. all in Japanese. So oh. not even I can really read it. Uh, I can read it, but at a very, at very much a snail's pace. Uh, yeah. But it's called like Sekai Teki. Like it's called a, a a YouTuber living in Japan from England. They put a lot, mm. a lot of effort was uh, was put into that title. <laughs> um, and there's some photos of me on the front uh, in some snow and having a camera pointed at me, like all YouTubers mm. do. There's lots of good photos in this book as well. Basically, about a year ago. There was a. I did a, a series of articles for a magazine called Real Sound. They're quite a big magazine in Japan. They're quite a big one. And um, we sat down. They just did loads of interviews about my life in Japan and YouTube and all sorts. 
and then the articles did really well online. Uh, they yeah. like did a lot better than most of their other articles, I think. And they were like, wow, let's make a book. And so they took all of these interviews, these sort of many interviews done over various weeks and months and blended it into a book. And uh, mm. it's pretty well written. Uh, it is quite, and I have actually sort of had uh, a team go over it and translate it into English and tell me what everything means. But it's kind of cool. It's nice to finally hold a book. I've always wanted to yeah. write a book. And while it's kind of not me that's written it, even though it's like just be, me being interviewed, it sort of got me excited to write a book and actually consider doing it for my sort of 10-year anniversary in Japan, which is, of course, this year. So it could well happen. Where's my well, book? Congratulations. I'm going to um, buy one and I'm going to pop it down <laughs> to uh, South End Public <laughs> Library and, uh, and and put it in next to the, all of the asterisks. <laughs> good man, good books. man. <laughs> good man indeed. You know, it's kind of cool though. I, I, I do want to write a book. I have been like, every now and then I'll sit down and bash out a paragraph that I want to put in my imaginary book in the future. But it, yeah. you know, it's quite hard to write, isn't it? To... To, to to sit down and just write loads of things, it's pretty difficult. And uh, to put it bluntly, I don't know if I have the motivation to pull it off. And I don't know what I would call it. What would I? What should I do? What would I call it? I don't know. Ten I things I learned living in Japan. A book in Japan? I don't bloody know. <laughs> book in Japan. It's your life, Chris. Well, I mean, you got to choose what you'd write about. Really, I'm, I've I am technically. A published author, uh, the Football Ramble podcast. We we put out a book about six years ago, and I wrote a quarter of it. No, I wrote a third of it. Um, wow! And you know, twenty. I mean, twenty six. I was like about thirty thousand words, and that was uh, that was a pain in the ass. I tell you what, <laughs> even just that amount. Real How long did that take to, to write? How long did it take you? I don't know. I mean, it was you, you, you. We were just filing chapter by chapter. We'd sort of like separate all of the work into different sections. So I think I had stadiums, managers, mm. and other people would have players and, and you know legendary matches from history or whatever. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a fun little project. I mean, like books. Even the most successful books don't really sell much, and, and you certainly don't mm. make any profit out of them. Um, so it's very much a bit of a, sure. a, a, an exercise for the ego. But uh, but I'm sure you'd have a better uh, a better time <laughs> than, than than we had. <laughs> you just put me off. Did you actually make any money out of it? Did you? Did you was there any reward from doing it? Um, for the amount of work that got put in by everyone and the tour that we had to do to support it, uh, the tour made more money than the book. Um, and, uh. and but it was a really fun process. And we, um, after every show, we'd sit there and um, we'd sign all of the books. Mm. Um, mm. So we just ended up kind of like we'd, we'd there'd be four of us back then. Where there was only four of us on the podcast, and we'd sign the books, and I would just spend all my time drunkenly, and I'd be drunk by that point. Of the naturally, night. Uh, naturally, just drunkenly, just um, slating all the other um, members of of the football ramble um, in people's books that they've just spent <laughs> seventeen quid on. <laughs> oh, it's a tough oh, one, isn't it? I I think I would do it. I would I would I would call it like ten years in Japan or something, and I would like just yeah. focus on the different experiences I've had and. Yeah. different sort of stories and experiences. I, you know, I have done quite a lot of things. I have mm. done a fair bit. Uh, I could just hire a ghostwriter. Or well, that YouTuber Zoella <laughs> got a lot of heat, didn't she, a few years ago, The uh, one of the biggest YouTubers in the UK. She had like a, a book that was ghostwritten, I think. But I, mm. I've never really seen the point of ghostwriting a book. I guess it just, what's the point? If you're not going to pour your own opinions and heart yeah. and soul into it, it's just but a, it's, a it's, shameless it's kind cash of... grab, isn't it? 
yeah, but again, it's it's kind of you know if if you're not going to do a great job of it, I suppose, and you want your stories told, and but you want people to sort of enjoy reading it and to consume it, I guess you kind of have to make it as presentable as possible. You know, if you mm. um my my mate uh, wrote and someone who worked on uh, Wrestle Me, aka Mark Haynes, <laughs> not really much of a secret, but he wrote a uh, sort of graphic novel for one of the top three or four YouTubers in the world. Uh, Ghost wrote it, wow. and uh, mere days, weeks before. Uh, he got cancelled for, for oh, being, no. uh, being problematic. So uh, that, oh, that got spiked pretty quickly. So uh, that was a waste of time. I mean, he still got paid for it because, I mean, you know, you get paid, you don't get paid on the success of the book. You get paid for the work you do when it comes mm. to ghostwriting. So, look, it's uh, it's steady work for people who can stomach it, I would say. <laughs> could I do you think I could just use, like, a, a voice-to-text translator and just sit in a chair <laughs> Take and be like, down. yeah, the plane Don landed Draper with his little with his little machine. <laughs> the plane <laughs> landed down. at Narita Airport. I realised I was in a foreign land. It didn't look like the UK anymore. Like it would just be shit. I I just worry that my would my writing style. It would just be awful, wouldn't it? I sat mm. in the big chair and thought about <laughs> life. I had a sip of the ice cold beer on the table. I I I, I don't know how I'd write it. I'd write it like mm. I write a tweet. But over like twenty thousand <laughs> words, twenty thousand pages. I would, I don't know. Yeah, just do. Just get like an AI bot to write it for you. Just Perfect. just sort of train it on your videos, and then get it to write um, thirty thousand <laughs> words for the for the first half of it. <laughs> Let's do it. But you can buy my book, guys. Even though statistically, about five percent of listeners of the podcast and viewers of the videos will speak and know Japanese enough to be able to. Consume the book, but uh, hold yeah. fire if you can't, because I will write something in the near future, and it'll be brilliant. I promise you that much. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And if it's not, I'll pay to have lots of Amazon reviews written that are very yes. flattering. And it it'll be the same as writing a book that is good. We've got a story this week from Shan from Ireland, who says, Greetings and salutations, Chris and Pete. I'm Shan, an artist from Ireland. Back in 2018, I was lucky enough to take a group trip to Japan with our Japanese class, guided by our shady yet charismatic teacher. He lived in Toyoko for many years, teaching English, and seemed to know uh, the less touristy areas of the countryside very well. We spent a great deal of our trip there and went to school and even got in the paper. However, being foreigners in Toyoko, and I don't, I don't know where Toyoko is for the record, uh, Toyoka, sorry, uh, Toyoka of all places, um, you can imagine, nobody guessed we all spoke Japanese. So one day we went to a hot spring and I'm undressing and putting on my birthday suit when an elderly lady comments on my friend's weight. We kind of chuckled and continued on when she sh- when she suddenly turned to her friend, uh, gestured to me and said, Kanojo no opai, opai wa honto ni okides. Literally, uh, <laughs> her breasts are big. I turned around and smiled and gave her the good old Domo, arigato, nod. Uh, well, <laughs> I tell you, I've uh, I've never seen someone look more shocked, confused, and humoured at the same time. Super big fan of your work, Chris and Pete. I've been binging your videos uh, forever. You're such an inspiration. Much love, Shan from Ireland. Typical. What a cheeky, cheeky woman. But of course, unsurprising. <laughs> they do like, like making comments about foreigners' breasts in Japan. I love it. Yeah. Because they're I mean... not very breasty here. <laughs> <laughs> how exciting um <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's wonderful to uh to be able to sort of translate and uh and figure out the people i think there's a few kind of um 
sort of gotcha YouTube videos I've kind of watched recently where people are in a foreign land and they try and sort of get, but they're almost kind of cajoling people into sort of saying something by like dancing in front of them and stuff. So I go, please talk about me so I can use you in my YouTube, so to speak. <laughs> I need to do that more. I need to do that more. Yeah. You need but... to use that more. Yes, you do need to use that more. Okay. Do you want to know where uh, Toyoka is? Toyoka? Toyoka. I'll, I'll look it up. Toyoka. I thought it said... Uh, it is I it was... in, it's near Totori. It's near... Um, it's kind of north-west. It's not... If you like, just go north from Kobe forever until you hit the... Uh, mm. Kinosaki? Kinosaki? Kinosaki. Oh, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> oh, really? I, I had no idea it was all the way out there. Hmm. So. Interesting. There's so many places in Japan I've never been, God damn it, And they're not getting visited. <laughs> it's frustrating. Very frustrating. I oh, know, right? I really want to go to that neck of the woods, actually. That's on my sort of hit list of places to go in 2022. Toyoka. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's near Kinosaki, Kinosaki Onsen. It's really, really beautiful. And I, I wanted... Uh, I, originally, before COVID, I had a friend coming. I've heard good boobs. And I, I've heard good I things bet, about oh, the definitely boobs. the best. The best <laughs> of the business. The best of the business. Uh, my friend, uh, we're going to go and travel from Hiroshima to Kyoto. We're going to get a car and we're going to drive in that direction, go through Kinosaki. Mm. We would have gone through Toyoka as well even though I didn't know it existed at the time, but we would have driven through it. And now that didn't happen. But things no. that can happen in 2022. Go. We've got an, a new story this week that is very exciting. It's a game changer. Or is it a gimmick? You decide. Pete, what is it? And it involves televisions <laughs> and licking things. Listen, so, Omicron is circling. If your city is anything like mine, everyone you know currently has COVID or is suspected to have COVID. Um, and someone has uh, yeah, created, invented the, literally the last thing we need right now. The very last thing we need right now. A prototype, Chris, lickable television <laughs> screen <laughs> is in development. Uh, it can oh, mimic man. food flavors. It's been developed by a, a Japanese professor who clearly doesn't have access to the internet. Um, he's got, yeah, he's basically, um, it's called Taste the TV and but- 10 different canisters inside the TV, outside the TV, uh, spray flavor onto a, a, a film, which is kind of rolled over the screen for, for viewers to lick. Right. Uh, he's a guy called uh, <laughs> Homei uh, Mishita. Mish- He's basically saying that it could be used to train uh, cooks or sommeliers to, uh, to, 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 to learn their job uh, remotely. Uh, and he reckons huh. the TV would cost £735 and, and he wants to make it possible for people to have the experience of something like eating in a restaurant on the other side of the world, even while staying at home. So, uh, Homer, he he's kind of... Um, I mean, I guess with Japanese television, it's very foody. There's a lot of food on the telly all the time. You're just oh, constantly God, yeah. seeing big steaming balls of ramen and people segoying the fuck out of it. Um, and so, like, you know, it's probably quite, uh, it's probably more useful out in Japan than over here. I mean, we've got Bake Off. We've got Man versus Food every now and again. You know, we don't have quite so many food shows, though they are they are very popular in the UK, but we don't quite have quite as many uh, as the ones in Japan. So I can understand why that would be uh, an acceptable and uh, interesting avenue for technology uh, heads to sort of go down. I, I think this is a little bit ridiculous. It all feels like <laughs> what Japan was like in the bubble, the bubble era in the 1980s when people yeah. had a little bit too much money to throw around. <laughs> I mean, I nobody would get more excited uh, the idea of like a TV you could eat, or some sort of edible 
device that is affixed to the TV. But yeah, this is if you look at photos of this, and if you just type in like Japanese like lickable TV, you'll see well, you'll see some pretty frightening things. Just like a a man and a woman just licking a bit of plastic with like a, a screen <laughs> on it. It's nothing about yeah. this that's good. There's no way it could taste good. Like what? If, what if I'm like I want to. What, how does? What if I want to like? I want to watch a KFC commercial. Can I sit down and like taste the bucket through the TV? Is that conceivable, well, yes. Pete? Oh, all right. yes, you clearly can. Yeah, that's, that's well, the thing. I mean, I don't know how accurate these tastes are, but as I said, it's the last thing we need right now. The very last thing. Well, I don't know about that. This, this could be game changing. Now there's fried chicken involved. Can you get like any flavor though? <laughs> like there's ten now. canisters with ten canisters. Can you like recreate any flavor then? Well, I guess idea? so. I, think, I guess that's kind of what it's in the same way that uh, LEDs are, are, are three colours. I suppose you can kind of get away with creating loads of different flavours with uh, with limited uh, choices. I don't really know. Don't really know. It's it's got me thinking about flavours, and f- I I I often like get asked about making original merchandise for abroad in Japan, and now I yeah. think I've, I've, I'm leaping into the darkness here with this idea. But you know how you get like crazy flavoured jelly beans. Like they had the Harry mm. Potter ones years ago. Why don't yeah. we create a Braun Japan flavored jelly beans themed like the videos? So you could have like a Spestos bath mat and uh, you could have Natsuki cigarette. <laughs> you yes. could have, you know, fried chicken. The sky's the limit. Yeah, from the sky's fried the limit. Chicken, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying Original to think what, um, those, those, those crickets, those honey wasps or whatever the hell you ate. Maybe <laughs> not them. Moths. The bee larvae. I don't think so. I think that, <laughs> that, I can, that'd be the no. I'd, I'd sooner eat an Asbestos bath mat than a bloody bee larvae again. And I still can't pronounce the word larvae. Is it larvae? But I I kind of want to try this product. I don't know how I feel about it. It's it's very much like what people from overseas think Japan is like. If you see yeah. this article, oh, lickable TVs in Japan. Of course it is. Of course it is. That's what they do in Japan, isn't it? Weird <laughs> and wacky. This is a very rare thing. It's just <laughs> Professor Miyashita at Meiji University. Miyashita, but if it, you know, you've done it again, mate. <laughs> he's done it. Give the masses a lickable TV. Let's let's yeah. usher it. Let to be fair, though, I often think I often think that that we're sort of at our limitations with technology when it comes to TV. Right? What mm. go? What what what's the next stage in the sort of evolution? The re- the revolution of TV technology. It's going to get oh, thinner. Like- Holographic it would be like projector. See through. Would it be like see through kind of uh, tellies? I guess. I mean, that's not really taken on, uh, taken off as you would imagine. Those kind of like three D tellies that suddenly, yeah, sorry, see through yeah, tellies, yeah. and then suddenly can. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, uh, if it could be done, a technology where, and I'm, I'm surprised no one's looked into this yet. Or maybe it exists. I mean, we we clearly live in an era of lickable TVs. Maybe I underestimate <laughs> technology and where we are, but. What about like a holographic projector that creates like a 3D Pete, Pete Donaldson or anyone, mm. right? So you could Skype someone or do a video chat, a Zoom, and you could have the person you're talking to literally sort of set next to you as a holographic image, right? So instead yeah. of looking at Pete through the screen, you would be here in a sort of physical form in light. Knocking and, stuff over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about that. But like, what is, why has that not happened yet? Why hasn't it happened, Pete? Why isn't it here? I mean... I mean the 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 very um fabric of of light <laughs> the very limitations of technology i suppose <laughs> so it's, it's, we need to make this happen but prototype lickable tvs are here so at least we've uh, we've got one foot forward in the future already 
Things are happening. Things are happening. <laughs> we'll be back in just a moment, guys, with the fax machine, your questions and stories. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And we're back with the fax machine. What have we got this week from our listeners, Mr. Dawson? We got a message from Hazim from uh, Malaysia. Been listening to the Trash Taste Boys, and I heard about Gant facing discrimination from the Japanese police because he is part Thai. So, does the Japanese people, or do the Japanese people, look down on other Asian countries, specifically Southeast Asian? Uh, as two non-Southeast Asian people, I've I've heard uh, not great things. If I'm honest, uh, Chris, is that would that be uh, fair to say? I, I mean, I did a an episode on Trash Taste recently, and we we talked about this actually because uh, I think hmm. Joey got stopped, even though he looks kind of Japanese and is half Japanese. I think yeah. Connor got stopped a few times because he's the whitest man ever. He's just. He's just a white thing with legs on, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I do think as long as you're not, as long as you don't look Japanese, someone's going to stop you. That being said, it's never happened to me. I've never ever been stopped. I know I'm not in Tokyo, and that is typically where it happens. Like all of the stories where uh, you get stopped by the police and they sort of ask you for your ID card or passport. That's always in Tokyo or Saitama. Um, yeah, so maybe that's a factor, um, but. Don't be surprised if you live in Tokyo, if you get stopped at some point or another in a sort of quiet district walking around. It does happen. Um, yeah. But I mean, and, I, I think uh, the, you know, the point there is sort of people who uh, resemble uh, Japanese people possibly, but they they have a hard time because they're either Korean or South Asian or, you know, it, it, it's kind of, um, I've heard stories where they don't, they're, they're treated, um, I think, poorly, more like over what we would expect as uh, as white Westerners, I suppose. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I possibly. Uh, I, I would. I, I mean, I haven't heard Gant's experience. I'd have to hear what he said. Mm. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I can imagine that happening. I, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. There's all sorts of xenophobia in Asia across the board. That's mm. e- even between countries. There's a lot of um, 
sort of there's a lot of antagonizing sort of there's lots lots of things going on where a lot of people hate other countries in asia right yeah <laughs> phrase that really badly but like there's a lot of sort of <laughs> sort of uh, resentment between countries you know like japan china south korea there's always something going on there yeah um but uh, yeah, I, I can't speak from experience there, but I'll have to ask Gant about that when I see him in the week. We've got one here from Akira who says, Hey there, Chris and Pete. My name's Akira. I'm a half Japanese, half Welsh high school student on my last year of high school based in Brisbane, Australia. I want to tell you guys about my experience going to school in a small village town of Kunisaki, close to Oita prefecture which is in uh, Kyushu. I attended this school for around a year as my parents wanted me to learn the language. The school I went to consisted of around 15 kids and a few teachers. Only a few months of being at this school, I was moved to a bigger school consisting of a few hundred students located more around the town centre. My question for you guys is, what do you think, uh, what do you guys think is going to happen with all these abandoned schools that have been left to rot, will the buildings ever be reused or will they just sit there overgrown and taken in by the forest? Kind regards, Akira. Uh, P.S. These podcasts get me through school. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you very much, Akira, and a very happy new year to you. I um, uh, I mean, we had the, there's a great documentary, isn't there, by Norm, Tokyo Lens. He went to an abandoned school in Shikoku and they, mm. the guy there, it's one of my favourite videos that Norm's ever made. Uh, there's a guy who Very unique. took over this school and he turned it into a hostel, like a sort of Airbnb-style place, and he, he roasts coffee. And he just sort of sits around mm. playing the guitar, making coffee, and uh, living the life, really. It's pretty cool. I yeah. It's an incredibly remote place, and I'm not surprised the school's empty. But when I when I moved to Sakata, when I first came here to teach, uh, uh, one of the one of the schools in the town was shut down and they blended all the schools into one uh, because the population of students was nosediving and it still is. Mm. And they sort of consolidate the schools into one easy payment. And uh, But then they just knock it down. So there's, there, is a, there are quite a lot of abandoned schools throughout Japan and they just sort of sit there often quite well maintained from what I can see. Mm. There's always like someone who maintains them um, and... It'll be interesting to see what happens if they sort of learn the lessons of what this guy's doing in Chicago, turning it into a roastery and a into a, a hostel, or if they just destroy them. I guess it depends on the mm. town, but uh, oh, it'll be interesting to see. But if you haven't seen it, guys, go and check out Tokyo Lens's uh, documentary. So it's really cool. And he did a follow up uh, last year because the original video was two years ago, and uh, both of them are very good videos. Highly recommend. Mm. I think it's called "This Man Lives in an Abandoned Japanese School." I think that's the video. Yeah. You've seen it, right, Fun. Pete? I've seen it. Yeah, I, I, uh, the um, the way they talk about it is that the 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 school might you know come back into service as as a proper building, but you do sort of think that the way that um, people are sort of migrated from towns to to the cities and stuff, you do sort of think, well, are they going to come back or is this just going to be left to dust and sure. and and hopefully they could be converted to you know little kind of makers' rooms and you know handed over to people who who. I want to treat it with the respect that a building that's so kind of solid and 
and interesting uh, and, and and stories. Uh, you know, it'd be able to sort of turn it. I've, I've, there's a, there's a ex school building in uh, Fukuoka that has uh, a lot of little makers rooms. Have turned it into it's right in the center of uh, Fukuoka, in fact, and 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 they, I think have turned it into um, like different kinds of bars, but different kinds of like maker spaces and 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 people sort of making you know craft uh, workers and stuff. It's um, mm. it's beautifully like done out the way they've done it, and uh, yeah, well, well done them for uh, for thinking laterally uh, when it comes to uh, publicly on buildings very good yeah yeah it's it's, it's cool to see i mean there's going to be a lot of abandoned buildings in japan going forward just because the population yeah. d- d- declining so it will be interesting to yeah. see as time goes on if they're actually put to use as opposed to just yeah. left there to deteriorate into nothingness mm. like the abroad japan podcast <laughs> and pete how dare you his slow question ready how- Oh, it's my go. Is it right? Okay, I thought you were, I thought you were keeping going, going. I thought you were keeping on going. Uh, dear Chris Kringle, uh, this is from Johnny from Mexico. If you never became an Oscar-winning YouTuber, uh, what do you think you'd be doing with your life right now? What would you be doing, Chris? I'd be sitting in a bathtub in a New York hotel, laughing and drinking champagne, and going, <laughs> "Yes, and that." That's mm. pretty much it, probably. Room service in a nice hotel in New York. <laughs> That's what I would do. I've never been to New York. I, mean, you could I do really that want now. to go. You could literally do that now. <laughs> I could do that now. All right. I don't yeah. know. What, what, what's, what's the correct answer to that question? What would you do if you're an Oscar-winning well, YouTuber? What would you be doing with your life right now, Pete? If I wasn't, right, I mean, I'd probably point. be on it. I'd probably be uh, up at 11 in the morning uh, just talking on a... OBS camera through Zencaster to uh, a man by the name of Chris Broad, who is an Oscar-winning YouTuber, <laughs> doing a podcast. Dream big. I reckon. I don't know. Dream big. Dream big. <laughs> dream I do. Big, I mean, man. I I, I am going to write a film this year. I'm going to. I'm going to do it, Pete. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. I say it every you year. Said this last this year, year, but you've been too busy. Uh, yeah, and, I, and let's face it, <laughs> it might not happen again this year. But at least last year, 2021, <laughs> in hindsight, was a pretty good year. So yeah. Let's see if we could top it. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to abroadjapanpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back later in the week to do all over again, guys. But for now, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great few days. We'll see you to do it all over again here, right back here on the Abroad Japan Podcast. Goodbye for now. Have a good one. in Japan is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moon.
Moonpig.com